Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show, Fibromyalgia Real Solutions with Amanda Love. My name is Amanda Lise Love, and I'm a registered holistic nutritionist who works with those with fibromyalgia. And today's guest is David. David is a certified nutritional counselor and naturopathic doctor and a biblical health coach. He is also an airline captain for Delta Airlines. David is the host of Natural Health Matters podcast, and he's the author of the book, The Christian Guide to Holistic Health. Welcome to the show, David. Well, thank you, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I always like to start with learning your backstory of why you got into what you're doing. Yeah, that's it's always a, a good place to start. Well, you know, I've always had an above average interest in health and wellness. And 25 years ago, my views were firmly planted in the traditional allopathic medical model. You know, you get sick, you go to the doctor, he sees you for five minutes and you walk out with a prescription. Um, but I, what I found over the years, especially since I've had my practice, is that most people, and myself included, we don't have a lot of motivation to make changes to our views and our lifestyles until we experience some kind of a health challenge. And I had a series of my own health challenges that the doctors were unable to help me with, and I was able to find some resolution with natural practitioners. And over time, when this kept happening over and over, my views shifted to a more natural and holistic approach to health and wellness. And I opened up my office when I became a certified nutritional counselor and a naturopathic doctor. And I did mostly nutritional counseling. I saw hundreds of clients. And back then, people got helped. But I was making the same mistake that a lot of practitioners make. And that is, I called myself holistic, but I really didn't know what the term meant. I focused almost exclusively on the physical and I all but ignored the mental emotional aspect and the spiritual aspects to a person. And we are spirit, we have a mind and we live in a body. And I now know that if we wanna maximize our health potential, we've got to address all three components to a human being. Uh, quick story, if I could. Uh, in the 1980s, I was living in South Florida and I was a Miami Dolphin fan. And at the time, the, the quarterback for the Dolphins was Dan Marino and the head coach was Don Shula. And on Monday nights after the weekend game, uh, they had a TV program called The Shula Show. And one night I heard Don Shula say on that show, when I first saw Dan Marino play, I said to myself, this guy's got the best arm I've ever seen. I'm gonna build my team around this guy's arm. And that's exactly what he did. They hired a couple of great wide receivers and they had an unbelievable passing game. They could score points really fast. But as good as Dan Marino was, probably one of the best four or five quarterbacks that ever played the game, he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. The Dolphins never won a championship with Dan Marino as quarterback. See, they found out that you can't win a championship on one aspect to a great team, the passing game. They needed a defense and they needed a running game, and the Dolphins had neither. So they never won a championship. So the, tr the same is true with our health and wellness. We can't expect to build a championship vitality by addressing a single component to, the, to a person, the, the physical only. We are a spirit, we have a mind, and we live in a body. And if you really wanna address your health effectively, that's the approach to health. And that's, uh, well, that's how I you know, got to the point I am today. So how long, have um, you been doing this? Well, I started my uh, my formal education in so probably something like 2003. So it's been close to 20 years. 
And um, so what, what can people start to do with their health? What is your process like? Well, when, when people come to me, they have generally seen a few doctors, they have a health challenge and they've been to a couple different doctors and they haven't found a resolution. So they're starting to look for alternatives as I did. And most of the time when someone comes into the office, they'll say something like this, you know, I'm on these drugs and they, they bring me some help, but I'm tired of the side effects. Can you give me a natural supplement that will do what the drugs will do without the side effects? And the answer to that question is no, I can't. Uh, natural supplements are useful, but they're not, they're not going to replace drugs. So I have to start off with this education process with people. And that is shifting their thinking from the allopathic medical model, where they just want to name it, blame it, and tame it. You go in, you talk to the doctor about your symptoms. He takes your collection of symptoms and he gives it a name. And then he blames your symptoms on that disease name. And then they want to tame it with drugs. So that's the traditional Western style, whatever you want to call it, approach to health and wellness. And that's not at all my approach, not anymore. So the problem is drugs shut down our normal bodily functions. Just look at the categories. They have antibiotics, antihistamines, beta blockers, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors for depression. And, and here's the problem. We can't outsmart God. You don't have a headache because you have an aspirin deficiency. Now, allopathic, the allopathic model is great for emergencies and acute conditions. Uh, if I get busted up in a car accident, man, roll me into the nearest emergency room, give me all the drugs and surgery you need to save my life. Perfectly appropriate. But here's the problem. The allopath treats what an MD is trained in. The allopathic practitioner, they treat the illness that has the person and a naturopath treats the person that has the illness. And it's two very, very different approaches to health. Um, so rather than try to outsmart our bodies with drugs, we wanna come alongside our bodies. A naturopath will encourage your body to do what it already knows how to do, and that is to thrive. Uh, and because health is a, a default setting. I, I could go deeper into that if you want. Yeah, I would love to know more. Okay, sure. Um, there's a concept in naturopathy called vitalism. And basically it says this, we don't have to teach our cells how to do their jobs. All of our 75 trillion cells know what to do, but from time to time, they're inhibited from doing what they know how to do because of some kind of blocking factor. So just to illustrate the, the, uh, the knowledge, this God-given innate wisdom of the body, if I were preparing food in my kitchen and I cut my finger with a kitchen knife, I would start to bleed. Well, I don't have to tell my body to dispatch fibrin and other clotting factors to stop the bleeding. Uh, I don't have to tell my body how to dispatch cholesterol and other uh, proteins to start rebuilding the skin in that laceration. I don't have to tell my body to dispatch white blood cells to fight any infection that may have entered through the laceration. All that happens by default uh, underneath the surface. I don't even have to think about it. That's vitalism. Our body's default setting is health. So with that as a starting point, uh, a naturopath will, will take that person and look for the blocking factors that are inhibiting their health and wellness. So you can look at it like this, and this is what I share with my clients, is your health can be thought of as a two by four straddled across a couple of sawhorses. An empty two by four, think 
21-year-old Olympic athlete, strong and durable. Well, what if I started stacking bricks on top of my 2x4? Couple of bricks, no problem. And the bricks are the blocking factors to our health and wellness, like sedentary lifestyle, smoking, stress, inadequate rest, you know, you, you name it, there's a long list. But if I stack some bricks on my 2x4, I keep stacking, 2x4 is gonna start to sag. That's my health. So the sagging would represent the symptoms that start to crop up. Well, if I keep stacking bricks, there's gonna come a point where one more brick in the two by four will snap. And that could be when we get diagnosed with a disease. So the problem was not the last two by four. The brick can easily handle, I mean, the last brick. The two by four can easily handle a single brick. It's the total load of bricks underneath that was the problem. Same is true with our health and wellness. We need to unload our bodies by eliminating as many health blocking factors as we can and introducing as many health enhancing factors as we can and stack the deck in our favor, kind of like a, a lopsided seesaw, much more health enhancing factors than we have blocking factors. And then we just sit back and let these magnificent bodies of ours do their thing, do what they know how to do. And that is to thrive. So we look for, when I, when I have a client, we'll look for physical stressors, obviously, like toxin exposure, how's their sleep, what kind of exercise routine do they have? Uh, look at their diet, of course, it's foundational. You know, are they eating organic food? Are they spending time outdoors in nature? Are they getting fresh air? Um, how's their elimination? You know, everyone should be going to the bathroom, sitting on the toilet at least once a day. If you're not doing that, you know, you're gonna build up toxins. Um, so that's the physical side, the mental emotional side. We'll look for stressors such as financial stress, uh, do we run out of paycheck before we run out a month? You know, that's, that could be a serious stressor for some people. Um, do you have a difficult boss you're dealing with? Uh, are you holding on to toxic emotions? This could be a real, a real problem because there's a strong mind-body connection, which we could talk about later if you want. Um, do, are you holding on to toxic emotions like anger, resentment, bitterness? Uh, it's worth addressing those and even getting some counseling from a professional if you need to, but replacing those with other positive emotions like love, joy, and peace um, will be very, very beneficial because there's a strong mind-body connection. We, we could get into that later if you want. Um, and then spiritual stressors, you know, um, what's your view of God? You know, if I believe that the atheist that doesn't, you know, believes that there is no God and everything happened randomly is living under a great deal of stress because if this whole earth and the universe is just all a result of random biochemical processes, then it's very fragile. And, you know, the, the, the future of the human race could be in jeopardy uh, at any moment. And, and I believe that, you know, God created the planet for us to live on, and it's very durable. And he's watching over us. That doesn't mean we don't have a, a stewardship relationship with the earth. We take care of it. Um, we have a responsibility to not pollute and, and whatnot and take care of this this planet that we live on. But I believe that God is is watching over us, and it brings me a great deal of peace. Um, so understanding who you are, uh, for me, uh, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the Most High God, and, and I, I have got to understand the balance between my dignity as a human being and my depravity my depravity as a sinful person. So 
that that those are issues worth talking about, I believe, with people. Um, so I teach people about holism, and I teach them how to approach health by cooperating with their natural design as opposed to resisting it, really, with drugs and surgery. Now, again, totally appropriate at times, but that's not the natural approach to health. That's very, that's very interesting. Can you tell? I would love to know more about the body, mind, and spirit. Aspect. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, human beings are, are far more than just a body. And and again, if you if you take God out of the equation, that's all you really have is is a body. And and the natural the uh, the medical practitioner they kind of look at a human being with a reductionist point of view. And the psychiatrist who's trained as an MD these days uh, believes that if you have a problem with your thinking, then there must be some chemical imbalance in the brain because the brain is what creates thoughts. I disagree with that. And there's a, a fantastic, very knowledgeable brain researcher by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's written a number of books. She's, she's really great. And she's been researching uh, brain health for, for 40 years. And she says that the psychiatrists have it all backwards because our brains don't create thoughts. They respond to them. Thoughts are created inside the person, in the spirit, in the mind, and our bodies respond to those thoughts. So here's how it works. There's a bit of a hierarchy to the spirit-mind-body relationship. So the spirit is the highest and most noble part of our being. Well, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let me, let me get back a little bit, just back up just a bit. Sorry. So the spirit and mind and body have an interconnected and an interdependent relationship, which means what affects one part of our being will by necessity alter the others for good or bad. Computer programmers have a term that they call GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. So if we're filling our brains with unhealthy thoughts, then our brains will send signals to our bodies in an unhealthy fashion so because they're connected. So um, if the foundation is secure, the rest of the building will be solid as well. The body submits to our brains and the brains submit to our minds and our minds submit to our spirit. So uh, one, one of the things that the spiritual connection that I uh, point out to people is in the, in the book of Exodus in the Bible, there's a, there's a verse in chapter 15 that says, for I, the Lord, am your healer. And that word heal is Jehovah Rapha. And it all starts with a right relationship with God, which leads us to good data being sent to our minds, which leads to good instructions being sent to our brains, and the brain runs the body. So that's basically the relationship between the spirit, mind, and body. And we don't think about that. No. No, we don't, because we're, we're conditioned to look at the physical only, right? That's, that's the way most people approach it, but there's more to a human being than that. You know, I found that out the hard way. Um, you know, I talked earlier about my, about my, uh, health, my own health challenges, um, but my real health crisis was when 2012, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, and I knew that the physical approach only was going to be inadequate. You know, the, the medical doctors, if you can find one that even acknowledges that chronic Lyme disease exists, um, he will prescribe high dose, he or she will prescribe high dose antibiotics for a year or more. And I knew, from what I knew about uh, holistic health, that that was going to rip my gut apart and then probably introduce more problems than it solved. 
So that's when I set out to learn all I could about the mental emotional component to health and the spiritual component. And I apply those principles and I beat Lyme disease without any medical intervention. And that's why I wrote my book, The Christian's Guide to Holistic Health. <clears throat> you know, I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the mind-body connection if I could. Do we have time for that? Yeah, sure. Well, the, you know, when I talk to people about this stuff, I'll sometimes hear uh, some pushback and they'll say something like this. Uh, you know, Dave, that sounds kind of cool. Uh, it's interesting, but I prefer to stick with the science. You know, I'm, I'm a science guy. Well, okay. We have uh, in the published medical literature, a vivid illustration of the mind-body connection, and it's the placebo effect. About 30% of the time when a drug company is trying to get their drug approved, they have to prove that it's more effective than placebo. And about 30% of the time, someone who's in a clinical trial taking a sugar pill or a saline injection or the like will actually experience the outcome the drug is purported to elicit. But all they got was a sugar pill. So the mind, just what the, their simple belief is what caused their bodies to react favorably. And there's also uh, a, a, an opposite uh, effect of that, and it's called the nocebo effect, where someone's in a clinical trial and they take a sugar pill and they experience the adverse reactions or the negative side effects that that drug may induce. There's even one, uh, one interesting study where uh, people were taking a placebo in a, uh, a, a trial for a new chemotherapy drug and the people that took the placebo lost their hair. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, and then uh, some people say, well, you know, isn't that all in the head? No, there's real measurable effects like that one. Uh, people have healed ulcers with placebo. Uh, inflammation goes down. They can measure biomarkers. Uh, bald men grow hair. There's, there's, there's an amazing amount of evidence in the published medical literature proving that what someone believes is crucial to their physical outcomes. I think I totally agree because if if you're if you're not believing, then you're just sort of living life and you're not you're just going through the motions with life. Yeah. Right. You're just kind of drifting, right? Yeah, you're drifting through life and you don't have like a purpose of why God wants you to do what he wants you to do. Right. Right. And then you, and you probably stay and you probably decide, oh, I'm just going to not deal with those health issues. Right. Well, you can, you could get away with that for a while, you know, <laughs> and, and, but eventually it's going to catch up with you. Right. Yeah. It's totally going to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. Yep. So would you like to talk some more about uh, the specifics behind body, mind and spirit? Yes, I would. All right. Sure. Um, I'm an airline pilot and from flight lesson one, way back 30, 40 years ago when I first started learning to fly, my instructor taught me this and it's, it's really served me well over the years. And it's aviate, navigate, communicate. And aviate means fly the airplane, keep the wings level. Navigate, know where you are and know where you're going. And communicate, talk to the other crew members and talk to air traffic control or other support staff like a flight service station. If you do those three things well, of course, there's more to flying an airplane than that. But if you do those three things well, you will go a long way towards maintaining your safety margin. And 
The same is true with our health and wellness. We can look at things in, in threes. If we do three things re re really well, we'll go a long way towards building health and wellness and, and staving off any, any health challenge, any serious health challenges. So we are with three parts to a person and there's three focus areas that I've identified to each one of those three parts. So for a total of nine, now we could, we could go through probably a whole podcast in each one of those, but I, I'll try to summarize them. So for the body, the three focus areas should be nutrition, movement, and sleep. So for nutrition, the first thing I tell people is don't get your advice from the federal government. They're, they're just way too, uh, entrenched in, in, um, compromised thinking. So for instance, the food pyramid that the FDA puts out, uh, not the FDA, the USDA, it's, it's horribly misguided. It's basically upside down. They want us to bulk up on our grains. And when we do that, we bulk up on our waistlines. It's just, it's really, really bad nutritional advice. So we don't want to turn to the federal government for our nutritional advice. Another, another example is counting calories has become so accepted. Um, but we know that calories behave in a certain way in a test tube or, in a, you know, in a laboratory, but a human being is not a test tube. You know, we, we have far more complexity to us than that. Um, so counting calories is, in my opinion, a bit of a waste of time because a calorie from a banana is not the same as a calorie from a piece of bread, which is not the same as a calorie from a grass fed pastured steak. It, they're different and they behave differently in the body and each person is different. It's just, it's just an oversimplification that doesn't really work. And, and, you know, you can see all these weight loss programs, Nutrisystem and, and, and the like, they'll, they'll give people some short-term success, but over the long haul, they don't solve their weight problems. And, and I think they kind of like it that way because you keep going back for more and spending money with them. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Um, so you got to, sometimes you have to follow the money trail. So, uh, my nutritional advice is number one, number one rule for eating is eat food as close to its God-given natural form as possible. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, in the book of first Timothy chapter four, it says this for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Now this verse is actually talking about food being sacrificed to idols. Uh, but I think we shouldn't miss this phrase created by God. So food created by God in nature is far healthier than food created by man in a laboratory. It's your number one rule for healthy eating. Uh, the more man gets his hands on our food, the more it's processed, the less healthy it becomes for us. They add adulterants to the food like preservatives, chemical flavors, chemical colorings, artificial sweeteners, artificial fats, texturing agents, cleaning solvents from the machines making of the food, uh, all kinds of problems with food processing. So single, and feed, sing, single ingredient foods are best, um, but you know, getting your food at the farmer's market, spending your, spending your time in the perimeter of the grocery store where there's some natural foods as opposed to in the middle of the middle aisles that have a lot of boxed and packaged stuff, which is just by nature less healthy. Um, so if you pick up something that's in a box, doesn't automatically mean it's, it's not healthy, but look at the ingredients. If there's more, if, if there's more than four or five ingredients, you're probably well served by putting it back on the shelf. If you can't pronounce the ingredients, you probably don't want to consume that. It's probably not that, that great for us. Um, so just in general categories, if you're going to eat seafood, fish should be wild caught as opposed to farm raised. 
because a wild caught fish will be eating its natural diet. Farm raised fish are generally fed an unhealthy diet, and a lot of them are living in sewer like conditions in, in pools. It's just awful. Uh, if you're going to eat beef, uh, beef should be grass fed and grass finished. Um, it's important that a cow eat grass, not grains. And factory farm cows are fed a genetically modified grain based diet, which is not their natural diet, and it messes up the the omega-6 to omega-3 fat ratio, and it destroys the, the healthful properties in the dairy and the meat. Um, a chicken, a poultry, uh, poultry should be free-ranged and organic. Uh, a chicken is an omnivore. They should be eating seeds and nuts as well as uh, worms and insects. That would be a chicken's natural diet. And when, when you find chicken that way, produced by a knowledgeable farmer, man, you'll taste the difference in the flavor immediately. And um, even when you cut into it, you know, it's, it's more difficult to, to separate the bones because the ligaments are just that much stronger. Uh, and and I, I think it's a really good sign that, you know, this, the meat has more nutrients and it's better for us if, if, the, if the poultry is raised that way. Fruits and vegetables should be raw and organic. You know, organic does cost more, but I tell people, you know, you can pay the doctor, you can pay the farmer now, or you can pay the doctor later. You know, it, it's your choice. But eat, no one eats 100% organic. That's impossible but eat as much organic as your budget will allow. Um, so you want to, another dietary guideline is drastically reduce or eliminate sugar. It's very, very unhealthy. A lot of people have sweet cravings and don't think they can get over it, but it's possible. Um, I, I, you've got to eliminate sugar. I bet, I'll bet you, tell you have to tell your clients that a lot as well. Um, you've got to just get off the sweet craving. You've got to get off the sugar. And another thing um, people don't understand is wheat can raise blood sugar more rapidly than pure sugar can in some people, which is pretty staggering, but true. Um, a great book on this topic would be Fat for Fuel by Dr. Joe McCola. He wrote a great book. Uh, he talks about how your, your cells can develop better mitochondrial energy production by cutting back on sugar. It's, it's huge. Um, another thing for diet is you could practice time-restricted eating. Uh, which I like to do. I like to practice uh, an 18-6. In other words, I'll, I'll stop eating around 6 p.m. Uh, that evening, and I won't eat again till about noontime the next day. So I'll compress my eating into a six-hour window, and I'll go about 18 hours a day fasting. And that is, is the evidence is mounting that that's an extraordinarily healthy practice. Um, so the second one, movement. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Of course, I don't, Excuse me just a second. <clears throat> I don't need to tell your listeners that they have to do an exercise program. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious to most people, but I'm talking about more than just going to the gym three times a week. Um, if, you're a, if you work at a desk, stand up and stretch every 30 minutes. So find a way to incorporate some movement in your day. You can get up that, you know, from your desk, do a few jumping jacks even in the office or some burpees if you can do them. You know, it's very useful just to get up and start moving. You know, our blood has the heart that pumps the blood through the body. But the lymph fluid, we have just as much lymph fluid in our body as we have blood, but we don't have a pump. So how does the lymph fluid get moving? Uh, by the way, lymph is very important. It transports white blood cells from the bone marrow uh, and killer T cells to infection sites. It is very, very important for moving toxins out of the body uh, and all the lymph veins and arteries are, are rooted up around the collarbone 
and they dump back into the general circulation, into the heart, up you know near the, the base of your neck. So the way to get that fluid moving is through muscle contraction. There's one-way valves in our lymph veins that allow fluid to flow when they, they get squeezed with muscle, muscle contraction, and then the valve will shut off when the muscle relaxes, and that's what moves the lymph fluid through. So it sounds a little counterintuitive. Why would our omniscient creator create our bodies that way? Well, he's telling us to get up off the couch, get out of your chair and start moving. It's super important. Um, if you have room in your house, a rebounder or a mini trampoline is a great way to incorporate a little daily exercise, daily movement into your routine. It's, it's huge. So uh, another thing with movement is you got to get the toxins out. If you're not having a regular bowel movement, that's, that's the biggest thing when it comes to detoxification. If you're going three, four, five days without without moving your bowels, that's a problem. You're going to be intoxicated. So if that's an issue, obviously the first thing is increase your water intake. You could try uh, some fiber supplements. I like to find organic ones. Um, a lot of times, uh, a lack of peristalsis and movement down there can be caused by food sensitivities. So you might want to talk to a practitioner about uh, learning your or testing for food sensitivities. There's a great test uh, called... Um, MRT that is a, an excellent food sensitivity test. It tests you for about 175 different foods and it ranks them in the order of uh, how you're reacting to them. Um, also, stress, especially fear. I think fear can cause a lack of peristalsis very, very quickly. Uh, and if you have to, use some, get some herbal assistance. Uh, one of the great herbs for getting things moving down there is cascara sagrada bark that will uh, gently stimulate the colon and, and get things moving. Another way to move toxins out of the body is with an infrared sauna. I, uh, I did my uh, sauna treatment just before we started this interview today. I went into my, my uh, near-infrared sauna and did about 20 minutes, and then I get out and do a cold shower. It's a great way to move some toxins out. And then uh, sleep. Sleep is really, really important. We should think of sleep as a nutrient. And I suggest to people that they try to create a sanctuary in their bedroom. Um, just like maybe once a week, try to make an adjustment to making your, your bedroom a better place to sleep. Cool it off. Uh, studies show that uh, the temperature about 70 degrees is, is uh, most people sleep much better with a cooler room. Get some blackout curtains. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money for those either. I've got a link in my website in the resources section that you can order some curtains off of Amazon. Uh, quite cheap and they're really effective. Uh, get the curtain rod too that makes the curtain wrap around to the wall, and, and man, you can really darken your room up, and that helps a lot. Um, think about the quality of air that you have uh, in your room, in your bedroom. Uh, some house plants could be useful. They will filter the air for you, natural filters. Um, some house plants that are useful for that are ferns or philodendron or peace lily or even an aloe vera plant. Uh, be great indoor plants. Um, and here's one of the things that I really love to, to really enhance sleep is sleep on an earthing mattress pad. Are you familiar with the earthing products, Amanda? Um, no, I'm not. Well, um, what they discovered about 20 years or so ago is that uh, when we make contact with the earth, uh, with bare skin, uh, we get grounded. And it's extraordinarily health promoting. Uh, There's a reason why everybody loves a barefoot walk on the beach, because connecting with the earth in that way uh, we receive great energy from the earth and we discharge harmful energies from our bodies with that barefoot contact with the earth god designed our bodies to do that on a regular basis problem is most of us are wearing rubber-soled shoes 
and we disconnect ourselves from the earth. So this company has created some products where you can get yourself grounded indoors. They sell foot pads that you can put at your, at your, uh, underneath your desk and you can take your shoes off, put your feet on there. And you actually connect a wire to the grounding uh, portion of the receptacle outlet, which is connected to ground. Literally every house has, or every building has a ground rod that's buried in the ground. And without that ground, electrical current won't flow in, in that building. So the same is true with our bodies. We need to have, we need to get grounded so that that buildup of electricity that we get from the harmful electrics from cell phones, um, radio signals, you name it. There's all kinds of harmful EMF out there. We need to get grounded to help dissipate that because our body's electrical system is very, very subtle. And when we're around strong, uh, powerful electrical sources, it disrupts our body's natural electrical rhythm. So there's a, there's a lot of great scientific evidence behind earthing and uh, it, it's fantastic. I, I love my earthing mattress pad. When I, you know, when I'm flying all day, it's, it's probably the most efficient way to build up harmful energies in the body. And I bring my grounding sheet with me and I put it on my hotel bed and I sleep on that thing. And since I've been doing that, I fall asleep faster. I sleep more deeply and I wake up less frequently and I wake up more refreshed. It's, it's an amazing health building thing. And, and talk about easy. That's <laughs> Go easy to sleep. Too. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier than going to sleep, right? <laughs> no. And people could start doing that pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a, I have a link on my website, davidsandstrom.com forward slash resources. And, uh, there's a, the earthling logo. There is a, a link to, uh, to those products. And, uh, I highly recommend them. They're not all that much money for, for the health benefit. It's, it's, a, it's well worth the investment. Another thing I recommend people do is before they go to bed, uh, you know, turn off the, turn off electronics at least a couple hours before you go to bed and then journal read, pray, spend some time meditating. Uh, that will help set the stage for, uh, for a good night's rest. I find a lot of times when I can't sleep, it's because I'm thinking about the things I have to do the next day. And by writing things down in a journal, I, I give myself permission to let go of those things until tomorrow. So it's uh, very useful too. So do we have time to talk about the mind and the spirit? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So, uh, for the mind, the three things, the three focus areas for the mind are identifying and correcting limiting beliefs, adopting a winning mindset and practicing emotional intelligence. So, you know, a quick story. When I was first hired at Delta 30 years ago, I was a flight engineer on the 727. And at the time those airplanes were pretty old. They were 30 to 40 years old, year old airplanes. And I used to wonder, you know, we're flying on this 40 year old airplane that's been up in the sky every day for the last 40 years. You know, is there, is there some corrosion that's gone undetected or maybe some cracks in the structure of the plane? We're going to get in turbulence in this thing. This old airplane is going to fall apart. And it actually used to bring me some stress wondering about that. You don't want to climb on an airplane and wonder if the thing's, the thing's going to hold together or not. The wing's going to fall off. So when I lived in South Florida, there was one of the oldest 727s. They turned it into an artificial reef and they gutted the airplane and they cut the wingtips off so it wouldn't literally fly away in a strong current. And they sunk it off the coast of Miami. And I'm a certified scuba diver. So I went down there a couple weeks after they, they fastened that thing to the ground, uh, the bottom of the ocean. And I went down there and I looked at the wing spar 
It's basically a big aluminum I-beam. And where they cut the wing, and that aluminum looked shiny and new. Here it was, one of the oldest 727s out there. And it looked like brand new, shiny, new aluminum. And from that day forward, that belief that I had about wondering whether this airplane is going to fall apart just was gone because I changed my belief about that airplane. So the same is true with, with limiting beliefs in our lives. So when we have a stressful thought, it will produce adverse effects on our physical well-being. Um, for instance, if you're going to make a, a speech, uh, it wouldn't be unusual to get sweaty palms before you get up there and talk. So this idea in your mind, oh, I wonder what they're going to think about me. Do, are they going to like my dress? You know, you name it. The thoughts we're having in our mind manifest in a physical reality, and that is sweaty palms. So what's going on in our heads really matters. There, that mind-body connection, as we said earlier, is, is well-documented in medical literature. Um, so what we believe matters. And we don't want to make uh, especially agreements about our identity, you know, who we are. That, those are huge. You know, if you fail a test at school, you don't want to conclude, well, I'm just stupid or I'm slower than most people. Those type of sweeping uh, generalizations are all harmful. So those are worth exploring. Um, I have a, a document that I created and I call it the ABCDE method for identifying, correcting unhealthy thinking patterns. And it's very useful. Um, I, have it, I have it on my website. In fact, I'm, I'm going to create a page for your listeners to go to to get some of these free downloads. This one's worth getting. Uh, it's a two-page PDF that I created, and the A stands for the activating event. If you have an event that just kind of sets you off, you seem spring-loaded to react negatively to it, that's an event that's worth exploring. Uh, for, for married couples, this is big. You know, if, if, if your husband will never take out the trash and that, that's causing arguments, that would be an activating event. So B stands for belief or self-talk that goes along with that activating event. So what am I saying to myself as my emotions start to escalate and my stress starts to rise? So C stands for consequences. What are the outcomes or the consequences of thinking and believing that way? D stands for disputing the unhealthy self-talk. E stands for energy shift and enjoying the the peace and and the and the the tranquility that comes along with letting go of some of these toxic thoughts and uh so it's ab the abcde method and uh it's very useful very useful and it helps to write things down thoughts disentangle themselves over the lips and at the ends of pencil tips so this is a great document that can help you go through that um, there's also three crucial questions that I like to ask my clients, and they can be big potential health blocking factors. And one is, do I want to be well? And it sounds like a silly question, but there actually are reasons why people would, at a subconscious level, not want to get well. Maybe they're receiving a disability check, and that would go away, and they'd have to go back to a job that they hate if they recover their health. Maybe they're getting sympathy from their friends and family that they craved as a child uh, and they don't want to see that go away. So, you know, it wouldn't be obvious to the surface, but, you know, doing a little uh, reflection and exploring on these questions is, is worth doing. Um, another one, the second one is, do I believe I can be well? 
And again, uh, this is huge. You know, I don't think we can just think ourselves into wellness, but it sure helps if we believe we can be well. Think of the person that has cancer and they go to the doctor and they say, yeah, it's metastasized stage four. And the doctor says, uh, you know, the guy with the lab coat on, the stethoscope around his neck, a degree on the wall, says, uh, I give you three months to live. Go home and get your affairs in order. There's no hope. That is a horrible, horrible thing if you're going to take that in. You have to believe you can be well if you're going to get well. It's not a guarantee, but it sure helps. Uh, another question worth asking. Another one is, do I deserve to be well? Uh, for many people, they're living under a cloud of condemnation. You know, maybe they think that God is somehow punishing them with this illness, and this is the, their cross that they need to bear because of all the bad things they've done. Or maybe they believe in karma and they're being paid back for something. You know, this is, this is a, a limiting belief that would need to be dealt with, especially if you're dealing with a, a serious health challenge. So I'm not talking about the positive, you know, power of positive thinking and all that. All I'm saying is thoughts are deep waters, and we need, because of the mind-body connection, these are questions worth asking and exploring. Maybe with a, a close friend or family member or maybe a prof professional counselor if you need it. And there's no guarantees, but we want to stack the deck in our favor. We want to uh, do everything we can to remove those blocking factors from our, from our, our vitality. Um, so adopting a winning mindset. So this is, this is pretty huge too. You can't get out of the starting blocks unless you are thinking correctly. Uh, there's a reason why New Year's resolutions fall by the wayside. It's because people aren't clear on why they want to do that. You know, your New Year's resolutions tend to sound something like this. Yeah, I'd like to lose those love handles around my waist, or, you know, I'd like to be more organized. It's some general thing. And they haven't stopped. Most people haven't stopped to say, well, if I achieve that, then what? How would the world be a better place if I, if I did that? So I suggest, once again, writing it down uh, because people will lose their way when they lose their why. So grab a pencil and paper, write it down, uh, and imagine this. If I could wave a magic wand over you and fix all your health problems, what would you do? How would the world be a better place if you had your health back? Who would you serve? Uh, what do you want to avoid? Now, I don't think going to the negative is the ideal way, but maybe heart disease runs in your family. You don't want to have a heart attack like Uncle Joe did. You know, those, that can be a powerful motivating factor as well. And I think it's really important to make small changes. This is part of the, the adopting the winning mindset. You got to make changes small enough that they're achievable. And once you master that school, maybe master is a little strong word. Once you gain proficiency in that skill, now it's time to move on to the next. Another quick story. Uh, people, when they find out I'm an airline pilot, a lot of times I'll get this question. Man, how do you deal with all that responsibility, 200 people's lives in your hands every time you go to work? And the truth of the matter is, I don't think about that because I didn't get thrown into the captain's seat at a major airline overnight. I took it one step at a time. And that's the way we teach people to fly is you grow into the responsibility. You, teach, you give them small baby steps and you let them develop proficiency in that skill. And then you build on that and move on to the next. The same is true with our health and wellness. You don't want to just, you know, jump into, you know, sweeping changes. It's going to be hard to stick with. What you want to do is make the changes small, make the steps, baby steps. The, the failure is not an option. It's so easy that you can easily accomplish that. 
as you gain confidence in doing that, you keep adding more things onto that list. Again, eliminating blocking factors and adding in health enhancing factors, and you'll start cutting down the trees and eventually you'll have a clearing and you'll make your way to the, the health and vitality you want. That's the naturopathic model. So real quick, um, I know we're kind of taking up a lot of time here, but practice emotional intelligence, part of the mental emotional component. So it's important to understand that each person carries a limited capacity to handle their emotions. We call it an emotional cup. And for most of us, our emotional cup is filled with a lot of negative emotions like hurt, resentment, bitterness, fear, worry, frustration. And when if our cup is full of all those kinds of emotions, when we get pushed and we get stressed, stuff's going to spill out the top of our full cup. And the stuff that spills out the top is not pretty. It's, it's symptoms like anger, rage, uh, various forms of escapism, you know, uh, getting into drugs or alcohol or pouring yourself into a hobby in an unhealthy level. Uh, it could be biting sarcasm in, in a marital relationship. Uh, it could take on various forms of passive aggressive behavior or stonewalling. All of this is unhealthy. So we wanna, <clears throat> if you wanna make the symptoms of unhealthy, unhealthy symptoms go away, what we do is we empty our cup. And the quickest way to empty your cup is through forgiveness. When we learn how to practice forgiveness, we enhance our relational connectedness with other human beings. And this is huge. If we're going to be connected with other people, which is another powerful health building concept, by the way, we are going to have to practice forgiveness. I love the way John Eldridge says this. He says, living in community, it's kind of like a couple of porcupines on a cold night. You need to get together for warmth, but when you get too close, you poke each other with your spines. And, and I love that because that's what we do to other people. We will, you know, accidentally or sometimes on purpose hurt other people and people will hurt us. And we need to give them some grace, understand that they're imperfect human beings just like we are and offer some forgiveness. I've got a, I've got a chapter on forgiveness in my book and I've got a free download actually on my website that uh, people can get on that, that, that chapter and go through the forgiveness exercise. It's huge. It's a huge part of our mental, emotional, uh, and spiritual component. Um, another one is practice emotional responding. There's a, there's a verse in uh, Book of Romans, chapter 12, says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Simple statement, but hard to put into practice. You know, it's, it's easier to rejoice with someone who's rejoicing, but weeping with those who weep is more difficult. If someone's having a rough day, uh, let's say they, on the way to work, they're, they got a flat tire and it was hot and they had to change this thing and they got their work shirt all greasy and they had to, you know, got all sweaty and they had to work in their sweaty clothes all day long and they come home and they're telling you about their day. And you would want to respond where that person is at emotionally. You say, wow, that must have been really tough. You know, that was, man, that was uh, a difficult thing, I'll bet. As opposed to saying something like, well, it's, for, it's supposed to be hotter next week. You know, it's a good thing it didn't happen next week. It would have been worse. You know, that would be responding in an inappropriate way. We want to connect with other human beings. And responding where they're at emotionally is really pretty huge. And we want to practice uh, processing our emotions in a healthful way and actually not getting emotionally constipated. 
I know it sounds a little crude, but you know, think of it. When we chew on food, we we ingest it and we take it in. Our body extracts the nutrients that it can, and then we eliminate the waste. Well, the same is true with emotions. We should take that emotion in, whatever it is. If we have anger or frustration, uh, let it rise up. You know, without condemning it, without passing judgment, feel the emotion. Ask yourself, what is this emotion telling me? What 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 can I learn from that? Take the nutrients from it, and then let it go. Eliminate it. And uh, a lot of people get stuck for years, sometimes decades, in some resentment or unforgiveness and bitterness uh, that is causing them trouble in their something in their past is causing them trouble in their present. So, those are the three components to the mental emotional. It's adopting a winning mindset, identifying, correcting, limiting beliefs, and practicing emotional intelligence. That's the, uh, that's in a nutshell, that's, that's the mental, emotional, uh, spiritual. Do we have time to get into that? Sure. Okay. All right. So the spiritual, I come at it from a, a biblical Christian perspective, but you know, you don't have to, uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ the way I have. You can acknowledge a higher power. Um, you know, most people will acknowledge that there is, there is something more to the universe than just atoms and molecules. So you can do that. Um, so let me see, where do I want to go with this? All right, so when, when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, what's the greatest commandment? His, his response was, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three components there. It's love for God, it's love for others, and love for ourselves. So that's the spiritual component in a nutshell. So I believe that love for God starts with submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I said earlier in the book of Exodus, for I, the Lord, am your healer. So God wants us to enjoy health and vitality. He wants to heal our, 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 um, our afflictions. Um, so... We can just, if we just do things God's way, things will tend to work up for us. Uh, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, but to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Because that's true, if we're obedient to the instructions we find in the Bible on how to live our lives, we can expect good things to happen. Because when we do things God's way, we reduce our stress. We cooperate with our natural design, we reduce our stress, and we produce more fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of that is health-promoting. So we're designed for health, and it's my contention that when we cooperate with God's design, rather than resist it, we promote health. So I believe that God loves us enough that when he gives us an instruction, it's for our benefit. And when he gives us a prohibition, it's for our protection. So we, we can, there's never a time that that's not true. We can just, we can take those true promises to the bank. So when we surrender to God's goodness, that's where we'll find real peace. Uh, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, the peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So Jesus offers us a supernatural peace and peace when it comes to health and wellness 
is very, very health promoting. Um, it's kind of like you can look at it this way. God is like our seasoned guide on a jungle safari. We would do well to listen to his instructions. The guide knows where the hazards are. He knows where the dangerous animals are hanging out. He knows where the cliffs are. He knows where, where things there, you know, can get us in trouble. So we do well to stick to our guide. So if we want to enjoy God's blessings, we do well to stick closer to him. Um, now, I, call, I don't call myself a Christian. I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ because I follow his teaching. I stick close to my guide. Um, you know, Christians have a reputation for being rule followers. You know, we have all these rules that we live by. But let, let me just give you one example. In the Old Testament law that the, the Jews live by, that the Jewish nation lives by, uh, there's 613 laws. And one of those laws is do not steal. So imagine if the entire human race obeyed that one commandment, not to steal. Imagine what life would be like here on earth if no one ever stole anything. They never stole your, you know, you wouldn't have to lock your front door or the door to your car. Or you can leave your wallet on your seat and walk away. No one's going to, no one's going to bother with it. No one's going to steal someone's reputation by slandering them or gossiping about them. Uh, wouldn't life be different if we just followed that one law, that one admonition? Um, and Jesus said in the New Testament to, to kind of complete this idea, if you love me, you'll do as I say. So, we're designed to produce fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So what's the purpose of a branch? To produce fruit. So what's the fruit of the Spirit of God? Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. They're all health-promoting, especially love, joy, and peace. Um, and here a couple other verses that are kind of cool, that really speak to my heart. And I hope this, I hope somebody listening finds gets something out of this. Uh, Proverbs 3, 7, and 8 says, Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be healing to your body and strength to your bones. I, I love that verse. I get a lot of uh, encouragement from that. Uh, the book of Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, For I will restore you to health, and I will heal you of all your wounds, declares the Lord. Um, <clears throat> there's another one that I really like. It's, uh, i trying to remember it. Proverbs 4, 20 and 20 20 through 22 and it says that we should meditate on the law of god and when we do it will be you know let me get this one i want to i want to quote this properly if you don't mind i'm just going to look this one up real quick it's time All right, so in the book of Proverbs, in starting in verse 20, it says, I'm just getting a call on my phone. All right, in the book of, in the book of Proverbs, in uh, chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. So that kind of wraps up, that kind of sums up the spiritual component to health. When we do things God's way and we cooperate with our natural design, it will be health promoting. That's my approach to the spiritual component. And, you know, I have my, I have my podcast for almost a year now, and I haven't really gone into depth on this. And I'm going to do a series on the spiritual component uh, in the next few weeks. 
and I think people are going to find it useful. So anyway, those are the those are the three parts to a human being and the three parts to each component of holistic health. Well, thanks for all that great information. That's a lot of tips you gave for people to get started on, but you said start baby steps. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Take it, take it one step at a time and make those steps that those steps totally achievable. Don't try with the big stuff at first, you know, start with the small low hanging fruit. Uh, in fact, I could go over some of the low hanging fruit if you want before, before we wrap things up, if that, if that, if you want to. Sure. All right. Um, so the body incorporates some movement into your day, you know, uh, make sure you're not just going to the gym, but actually incorporating movement throughout your day with, with uh, jumping jacks or uh, a rebounder in your house. Uh, another thing you can do in the physical is to optimize your vitamin D levels. It's not an expensive blood test, but you go to your doctor and have them test you for vitamin D. You should be at least 60 nanograms per milliliter. That's uh, that's a, a decent place to have your vitamin D year round, uh, and especially in the winter months when we're not getting outdoors with sun on our skin. Uh, it's important to monitor that. It'll, it'll really help our, our immune system a lot. Uh, think of sleep as a nutrient. Uh, work on creating uh, a sanctuary in your bedroom. When you when you go to sleep, you want to have them sleepy as absolutely productive as it can be. So lower the temperature, get some blackout curtains, uh, read, journal, and pray before you go to bed. Uh, all powerful stuff. Um, so for the for the mind, ask yourself those three crucial questions, right? Uh, do I want to be well? Do I believe I can be well? And do I believe I deserve to be well? Uh, get clear on your why. Why do you want to regain your health? Write it down. It will help motivate you big time. Practice emotional responding. When someone's having a hard time, get into their world. Respond to emotion with emotion, not logic. If someone's uh, airing their emotions with you, don't respond with logic. Respond with emotion. It's a powerful, you'll see, it's a very powerful uh, relational enhancer. Um, and for the spirit, come to a place where you surrender to God's goodness. Know that he has your, your best interest in mind. Uh, another thing that I tell people is to practice what's called benevolent detachment. And, and that is this. Benevolent is another word for loving, fancy word for loving. So we were never designed to have instant access to the whole world's problems in our, in our pockets or purses. When we have that phone in our, in our hands and we have access to the Internet, uh, we get notifications, we get news 24 hours a day, and we were never designed to carry that burden. Now, I'm not saying don't care about those people, don't uh, pray for them and, and acknowledge people's suffering. Absolutely. But, you know, do what you can and then let it go. Because if we hold on to those burdens, the whole world's burdens, that will be very, very, um, it will serve as a blocking factor to our health. So I really like that, this idea of acknowledging people's suffering, praying for them, doing what we can, getting involved if we want. But then there has to come a time when we let that go because it, it's, not, it's not our problem. There's a great app that I recommend for people. It's called the Pause app. It's uh, put together by uh, John Eldridge and the team at Ransomed Heart. And uh, it's free. And you put this on your phone and you set the time of day that you want it to go off. And it says, hey, time for a pause. 
and you listen to some relaxing music and you just, you could do a start off with a 60 second, work way up to a three minute, a five minute and a 10 minute if you want. I'm on the three minute level. And you just go through a little bit of meditation and you're letting go, basically unplugging from the matrix for a, a minute or two or three. And it really, really will help to bring you a great deal of peace throughout your day. So that's another, another thing people can do just to, you know, some low hanging fruit that won't cost them anything, uh, but can really help usher in uh, a healthier lifestyle. That's great. Where can everyone find you? Well, uh, thanks for asking. The, the best place to get a hold of me is my website, davidsandstrom.com. It's D-A-V-I-D-S-A-N-D-S-T-R-O-M.com. And uh, they can subscribe to my podcast there. They can get on my newsletter. And I'm going to create a page uh, for your listeners to get some free downloads. I'd, I'd like to make available the, the free chapter on forgiveness from my book, um, the Blocking and Enhancing Factors Checklist. Um, I also have a, a free ebook that I'd like to give out to people. It's uh, the top 10 tips for healthy eating and the ABCDE method for uh, identifying and correcting unhealthy thinking patterns. Like, I'd like to make all those available to your listeners. So I'll create a page. Um, tell me what you want me to call it. Um, Amanda, davidsandstrom.com slash, slash Amanda Love, or what, what do you want to call it? Um, that works. All right. Slash Amanda Love. And I'll, I'll have all those resources on there, make them available for free, and uh, people can avail themselves to that. But yeah, check out my podcast. You know, my book is called The Christian's Guide to Holistic Health. It's, of course, available on my website. And uh, yeah, I would love to, uh, to connect with your, with your audience. That's great. I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for this conversation. You gave so much information and great tips for people to start with. All right. Thanks for having me, Amanda. It was a pleasure. You're welcome.